Welcome to the Purple Political Breakdown. I always say, okay, can we agree? Let's get some baselines on this discussion. There's 8 billion people on planet Earth. 4 billion of them live in poverty that we can't imagine. Half of those live in poverty. We can't even fathom the depths of misery they live in. 2 million. Do you agree to that? Yes, I agree to that. Okay. I make you king now. How many legal aliens are allowed to come into our country? We're going to make them legal. We're going to give them everything they need to be successful. How many? And they're always pausing because they're thinking. And I say, okay, I need an answer. Is it all 2 billion? Of course not, because it's that's six times our population. We can, okay, okay, they give me a number. And they always come to this number 20 million. I don't know why, but they do. They feel good about it, right? And I, my net follow up question is okay. 20 million people are in America. For whatever reason, I don't even care. They're here, they have houses, they're going to school, everything's fine. What are you going to do about the other 1.98 billion that are going to try to come into America? What are you going to do? And there's always silence. And I say, you're going to build a wall, aren't you? Do you want a great website like this? This is my podcast website where I direct the audience to come to watch the content, listen to the content, read the blogs and much, much more. If you want to have your own customizable podcast website, then join my affiliate link in my description to sign up for something called PodPage and they can help you customize an easy podcast website for your personal podcast. Sign up to get a discount now. Again, use the link in my description to join PodPage now. Are you enjoying today's podcast episode? I really hope you do. And I really hope you enjoy the fact that I have an amazing guest talking with me and having this great discussion. If you, as an individual, personally have your own podcast and maybe you want to have great guests on your podcast as well, well, I got a deal for you. In my description, there is a link to something called Podmatch. Make sure to join that link through my affiliate link so you can sign up to get matched up with other podcast hosts and podcast guests so you make sure you are never missing an episode without a productive guest to have an amazing conversation with. Podmatch is similar to any other kind of matching site for the most part. And it's super easy you, just $6 a month and you can have a guest for each and every podcast episode that is tailored to your specific topic. So again, join the link in my description and join Podmatch now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Riddell Lewis, and then I'm here with my co-host and a guest that's going to make things very interesting. Uh, of course, my co-host, Jonathan. And today we're going to be doing episode number 41 as we talk about the border in terms of America's border and immigration and the conversation. See how that goes. Potentially see if we can find some solutions to deal with the border and immigration or at the very least have a very good discussion regarding the topic, of course. Now, to have that discussion, I have a great guest to bring on. He's a retired Border Patrol agent who is in charge of the San Diego sector, appeared on numerous shows like Fox News, Newsmax, and Reels America's Voice, and has a book called Invaded, The Intentional Destruction of the American Immigration System. Please welcome J.J. Carroll. How you doing, my guy? 
I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this very important topic. No problem. No problem. Um, to start off, I always like to read off a review. Make sure you guys leave a review so you can be shouted out in a future episode. This is from Goody1128. They said the host and his co-hosts have a detailed and insightful discussion on topics that some would rather not engage in. Kudos to Riddell for taking on the tough topics of the day and sharing all points of view. Nicely done. That's what we try to do here. Have a lot of interesting conversations, very important discussions, and uh Definitely share a lot of different perspectives of the topics as well. I'm not a fan of echo chambers. I'm a fan of conversation, compromise, and all that good stuff. That's what America was founded upon, of course. So to start everything out, we like to talk about some of the current events. I'm going to read it out, some current events that's going on. I'd love to hear your thoughts, JJ. I'd love to hear my co-host Jonathan's thoughts, of course. So after I read it off, we'll just dive into some of the more interesting things that you think is interesting. So All right. a few of the things that you need to know that is going on in America to so keep everybody in the audience up to date. California regulators have voted to allow self-driving car companies Waymo and Cruz to launch 24-7 paid driverless services in San Francisco. We have a fun one when it comes to Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg confirmed they are going to fight. Why? I don't know, but they confirmed that they're about to duke it out. So we'll see what happens when that happens. A Montana state court ruled in favor of a group of young people who claimed the state's policies violated their rights to a clean environment. Netflix plans to release some gaming test thing with the cloud. They want to become more important because people are tired of Netflix. And the last one here is that North Korea confirmed custody of a U.S. service member, Travis King, who fled to North Korea due to apparent racism that he's dealt with. So a lot of things going on across America, of course. And um, what do you guys think is interesting? Go ahead, JJ. Uh, well, I, I think, I don't know if I tune in or do pay-per-view for Elon Musk and Zuckerberg, but I mean, I don't even know what those two guys would fight about, but uh, that'd be interesting. But then there's no way I'm getting in a driverless car, especially in San Francisco in today's day and age. No way. You can't pay me enough. That's what I'm saying. I would never get in one of those things. I don't need it's spooky when I drive around some of the modern car. My girlfriend has a newer car. When I drive it around, it has like the auto lane adjustments. Oh. So even if I get close, like I'll be paying total attention. And if I just get too close, it'll just push me over. And to me, it's like, I don't, I don't like, like, it's kind of convenient to some extent if I'm like eating a Big Mac or something when I'm driving, but <laughs> it's, it's, I'll just wait and eat it later and drive my own car. Thank you very much. But yeah, I, I definitely see where you guys are coming from. It's definitely going to be a culture shock to all the people who are getting into vehicles that uh, there's nobody in there besides them. Uh, there's, it's going to be a weird sensation as of right now. I don't know how I feel about it. Obviously there's certain factors and certain, uh, things that you may have to consider in terms of potentially, you know, shutting down in the middle of traffic, obviously having nobody to call, uh, services. So you're going to have a guest just in the middle of traffic or a situation where 
you have the age-old uh, trolley system problem or hypothetical or whatever it's called, where it's like, doesn't know how to navigate between people of importance when it's on the road and the potential crash can happen. I'm curious on all those questions, of course. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see regarding that. You want well, to I, think that I think with the self-driving cars, I think there's, I think there's another issue and it's the similar, the same kind of issue that is like young people now that kind of grew up doing arithmetic with a calculator. They can't do mental math at all. At least I can't. I know there's a lot of people my age who are way more dependent on calculators than uh, older generations. I think that will apply to the same thing when it comes to these self-navigating, self-driving cars. People who are going to grow up and like like people with backup cameras. There's a gener there's an age group of people that can't back up a car without a backup camera because they're just so used to the backup camera. They don't really know how to navigate using the three mirrors. That's me right here. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think that same sort of thing will begin to apply. Like people won't even know how to drive as well. And you might ask, why is that important? Well, if you buy an old car, if you grow up and you're learning to drive on your parents' self-driving car, you buy your own car and it's like a 2006 Chevy, they're not going to have all those bells and whistles and you're going to be a much more dangerous driver. There's also the issue that with a lot of the newer cars, especially the Tesla models and the more hybrid, um, the average mechanic can't fix those. So like my entire like family, extended family friend ecosystem, we all go to a buddy of ours who knows how to work on cars. Um, but when, when he's getting to these newer cars now, he doesn't know how to work on them. Most people don't know how to work on them. And manufact car manufacturers make it more and more difficult to do that. So people will also have a much more difficult time replacing parts and, and fixing up these cars because they'll be so much more intricate. To and what you guys... I Go for I'm it. sorry. Go ahead, Randall. Well, you know, I look at you two guys and, and you look way younger than I am. And you're talking about navigation systems and, and cameras. And, and I think about back when I was young and driving, we didn't have navigation. We didn't have cell phones. We, didn't, we had Thomas guides. We had giant maps that were bound together. And we would flip through and try to figure out what interstate do I take from Louisiana where I grew up to get to California and and which routes you would take. Things have changed. Technology has accelerated to such an incredible extent now. And the leaps and bounds that it is that it's taking is it's surreal almost because when I was growing up, it was Miami Vice and uh, Don Johnson would have a, his cell phone and it was the size of a brick and he had to carry a a suitcase with them and he was cool and now everybody has an iphone or android i mean it's incredible uh when you think about technology and capitalism and and private property rights and 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 obtaining money from your intellectual property and how that can spur such incredible technological advances in america it's, it's astounding i i definitely agree and one thing i will say in terms of the car situation is I personally, I think it's just a natural progression, which is, you know, technology, of course, because even if you think, I know you brought the backup example, but another example, especially that goes in adherence to your old car, um, you know, situation that you brought up is stick, uh, using stick when you drive. Yep. Barely anybody knows how to use stick. And nowadays everything's automatic. It's not manual anymore. So that's obviously a much more, 
easy way to travel and traverse. I think they definitely need to make sure there's a certain standard because when you got to earn a driver's license, you got to know how to drive. So to expect that people getting a driver's license and a driverless car, that's a thing that happens in the future is absolutely ridiculous because you didn't do anything to achieve said driver's license. So you would need to know how to drive to a certain extent. Um, so I don't think that will ever lose its value, but the amount of people in general definitely are driving less and less because of stuff like Uber, uh, Lyft, for example, the ease of finding transportation is a big thing nowadays, and this is just going to be another component. So we'll, we'll definitely have to see how it, how it affects everything overall, but it's definitely going to be a culture shock when we start having robots basically driving us to places and see how legit that is moving forward. So with that said, a lot of uh, great topics, of course, that uh, to dive into in today's discussion as we're going to be talking about the border, as we're going to talk about immigration. But to start off, JJ, can you tell the people like who you are um, and why you are interested in this topic? Yes, I'm, I just retired from the Border Patrol less than two years ago, where I, I started my career in 1997 down in Imperial Beach Border Patrol Station, which is the southwesternmost point of the United States, the San Ysidro Port of Entry. And I spent a decade there in the front lines uh, as, an, as a trainee, as a journeyman agent, and as a supervisor. And it was during the most violent time in recent Border Patrol history, because where I worked bordered directly onto Tijuana. So Tijuana and Juarez are the two most dangerous border towns and maybe considered the two most dangerous cities in, in Mexico uh, at large. And then I took a, a lateral transfer up to San Clemente, which is in Orange County. And I created a 60 man uh, coastal border enforcement team. And what we did is as uh, we were able to close the border down systematically through technology and manpower and, and infrastructure, the human cartel smugglers and the narcotic smugglers would use the maritime, the Pacific Ocean, using these giant open bow uh, fishing vessels, Mexican fishing vessels called pongas. And they would come ashore and my unit would arrest them. Uh, they would have, you know, five to 10,000 pounds of narcotics and it would be about 30 of them, uh, the criminals versus about me and about four other guys because we were stretched so thin. But that gave me an incredible insight into the border because I was down in the weeds. I was uh, in the front lines. And then I took, toward the end of my career, I went into management and became a senior leader in San Diego sector, um, which gave me a very unique perspective uh, from like a 30,000 foot view of policy, law, uh, enforcement postures, on and on and on. So it gives me a very unique perspective on what is happening today in, on the border and which I believe in my book, Invaded, I believe it is an intentional destruction of the American immigration system. I think they're, when I lay it out, very uh, very like a court case and just tell you, this is what our federal government is doing. This is what the repercussions are. And they continue to do it and actually facilitate more and more illegal immigration. Uh, there is no other explanation, rational explanation, why this is happening to, to our nation. Okay, I definitely understand. So to kind of briefly summarize, 
Um, I think this is very important moving forward and like all the shows. So I'm going to make sure that this is uh, concrete for the audience to hear. So they are, all know like our positions to start out as we dive into yes. our conversations. Um, what exactly is your position on immigration? Uh, great question, because I think it's extremely important that your audience understands that I'm not talking about legal immigration. This is to, this is they get conflated. Right. When somebody says, hey, I, I want secure borders, I want I, my nation's sovereignty is important as it is for every other nation on planet Earth. I'm talking about illegal immigration and the need to stop that and have law and order. Nat, legal immigration, individuals that come to America through the proper channels and then naturalize and swear an oath allegiance to the United States of America. Those are some of our best and brightest and greatest citizens because they have been on the other side and they've seen the other side of the world, which is not great. And they appreciate and love America to an to a incredible degree. That being said, my, my belief is that illegal immigration is destroying our nation. We, have, we are a land of opportunity and freedom, but opportunity and freedom is built on the foundation of law and order. You cannot have law and order when your border is completely wide open and it, the tentacles of illegal immigration permeate throughout America. It's in Washington, D.C. It's in New York City. Uh, state of emergencies in Chicago, Philadelphia uh, caused by illegal immigration. So I believe in a strong border. I believe that there needs to be uh, infrastructure, manpower, and I believe there needs to be a will to, to have a nation that has sovereign borders and sovereignty. If you don't do not have borders, you are not a nation. You're just a pass through. All right, um, Jonathan, how about you? Um, I'm I'm kind of on the same boat. Um, I think uh, legal immigration is an amazing. Uh, opportunity sometimes i think with just the massive amounts of immigration both legal and otherwise uh, currently i think it would be prudent to maybe slow down on immigration in total at this point mm -hmm. as as jj pointed out because we just have so many people flooding into our country illegally and otherwise i think uh jj could probably correct me but the number last year was somewhere around two million illegal immigrants is that my way off last year well this is this is dhs data and what i use in my book uh jonathan is all confirmed data which i don't i'm going to make very clear i don't believe that the federal government is honest i don't i've seen it throughout my career they manipulate numbers but just using their numbers and i don't try to deviate because it is so damning their own numbers last year they arrested over 2.7 million and they released almost 2.7 million this year we are projected and there's nothing in the data that states otherwise. In fact, the monthly the monthly averages are spiking now. The daily averages are spiking. We are going to surpass for the first time in American history, 3 million illegal aliens will cross into our border and we will allow them to continue their passage into America under some fraudulent scheme. So I think it needs to be clear. I mean to interrupt you, Jonathan, but just as far as numbers, because you asked about them. Joe Biden in 30 months, 30 months has arrested and allowed in almost 7 million people. Yeah. So exact. So massive amounts of, of illegal immigrants on top of certainly not unprecedented, but for our for in a long time, 
an unprecedented number of legal immigrants as well. And we can see just how divided our country is and how um, split just like um, in a kind of ethos of our country. We don't really know who we are anymore because of all the wide varied cultures, which has always been America's strength, is seeming to turn into a weakness because we can't agree on what we are. So I am obviously not saying like I don't want to close America off entirely, but I definitely think that we should cut back until we can kind of figure out exactly what America is going to be moving forward. So as of right now, I am on the side of trying to reduce immigration totally, but more specifically, illegal immigration, obviously, is the bigger issue. So a lot of uh, very interesting and good points are being made here. And I obviously, this is one of those topics, you know, there's a lot of topics revolving around politics and and culture and social issues that uh, we dive into in this podcast. But this is definitely one of the one of the ones that I'm not as well informed. So obviously, in doing my studying of the topic itself, um, I've heard a lot of perspectives of immigration. So from my understanding, when it comes to immigration, the the outlook of immigration, at the very least, what it said from JJ, Jonathan, you seem you disagree a little bit. Immigration does is a good thing for the country. I mean, the, the beginning of the country, what made the America America, you know, is big founded upon immigration and the value it brought in terms of bringing all those different cultures that you were discussing before into the country. And there's a lot of positives to immigration overall, which I think we all can agree with so making the distinction between illegal immigration and legal immigration is very important so people don't kind of conflate the two issues thinking that people want to be so nationalist or super nationalist that they hate all other people when it comes to coming to this country because i do think those things get conflated sometimes and you know how people are when they hear certain trigger words then they stop listening to the conversation so after once we get that out of the way, when we're focusing on illegal immigration, the conversation obviously becomes on the standard of what is illegal immigration in terms of how we are setting people up or the ease of setting people up to immigrate into America. And that's definitely a conversation we can get to. But overall, in terms of my position, uh, from what I've seen, immigration is good for the country. Um, I think that having us as like the hallmarker of diversifying cultures and whether people believe it or not, I still think it's the greatest country in the world. And everything that we do have here and how we make it work kind of shows what we do, what we are in terms of being the you know number one power, being the standard, being the people everybody hates, but everybody wants to be at the same time. So I think immigration is a very important part of that um, in terms of the identity of what is America. Obviously, solidifying that national identity will be essential moving forward, which is a different conversation. Now, with that said, I think we should hammer down the exact problems that you're referring to. Of course, you mentioned a few, um, especially with like the illegal you know, circumstances with uh, crime organizations and potentially them getting the border. But definitely let's hammer out what the exact problems are um, that illegal immigration creates for America. What do, what do you say to that, JJ? Well, there's, I, I, when I describe what's going on as far as illegal immigration, I, I, the best way for me to give like a, an illustration is think of a mutant octopus with like a hundred arms tentacles and these tentacles are going through america 
and they're reaching all corners of America. And let me give you an example of what's happening right now. We talked about 7 million people being arrested and released. We haven't even discussed from my experience and, and all of my sources in DHS and the Border Patrol that I continually have daily conversations with, there are hundreds of miles of the border where there's not one Border Patrol agent working that line, not one. We are so vulnerable. So my point is the 7 million that we've arrested, I know and believe that we are averaging what we have allowed in at least 10 to 15 million illegal aliens outside of what's being reported. It's almost indisputable. The federal government says it's around two or 3 million and they're lying and everybody inside immigration knows that it is a bold-faced lie. So what does that look like? What's the manifestation of this? And I'm gonna point straight up to the to sanctuary cities run by liberal Democrats that are proud sanctuary cities because they, they tell me, they, they are now mimicking my words exactly so if you just took quotes, you would think it's coming from a hard line anti-illegal immigration guy, but it's coming from Mayor Bowser of DC, it's coming from Eric Adams of New York. And what they're saying is, and they have claimed to have state of emergencies in their cities, New York City has 95,000 illegal aliens in their, in their city. That's less than one fraction of a percent of their total population. And yet all of their social services are crumbling it is so bad that Mayor Adams has given a no-bid contract to a COVID company that has now morphed into a transportation company to actually move illegals out of his city. This no-bid contract was $432 million. That's how bad this situation is. So the same people that talked about Ron DeSantis and Abbott, which I'm not huge fans of Abbott, bust illegal aliens, but that's a small fraction. The vast majority are actually saying, no, I wanna to go to New York City. The federal government, US taxpayer, actually pays for airline tickets for these people to fly into New York City, but it's a state of emergency. Same things happen in Chicago, same things happen in, in Washington, DC. So we're seeing the manifestation of this. We are a nation that is on economic teetering of a collapse. We have the most historic high of homelessness in our nation. And our brothers and sisters in these big cities in rural America are hurting and they need help. And what do we do? We redivert, we divert money should go to them to illegal aliens. I'll give you an example real quick. In Chicago, they just diverted last month, city council and the mayor diverted $51 million from the residents of Chicago to illegal aliens, 10,000 of them. 10,000 got 51 million infused into a homeless shelter just for them. Now, we can all discuss Chicago, but we can all agree that it is a war zone. It has all failing schools, crime is rampant, murders and gunshots are off the charts like Afghanistan and Iraq in the height of the war. And yet we're going to ignore those people. And the African-American residents are rising up and they're screaming that you cannot do this. And what does our politicians do? They tell us to shut up and sit down. You're too stupid to understand. That's what drives me to the brink of insanity is these people continue to say, we're a sanctuary, say we'll welcome in. And then we send, you get a fraction of 95,000 out of 12 to 15 million illegal aliens that come in the country. You get 95,000 and shut your city down, New York City. 
So what do you think is going to happen to Pella, Iowa, or Birmingham, Alabama, or Yuma, Arizona? How are they going to handle 95, 900,000? It's going to destroy our nation, and it is already starting to destroy it. So I have a question for you, JJ. Um, as of right now, where do the majority of the aliens that come in, do they stay in the city or the, the uh, state in which they cross the border at? Or is there do they typically spread out across the country by their means? They, they spread out across the country. And it, okay. it, there's no rhyme or reason. It's really where the cartels tell them their narrative. So something has to be discussed, right? And it's finally coming out. The cartels run everything in Mexico. And oh, they yeah. have usurped and dominated the American immigration system. And let me explain to you what I mean. So you know the CBP1 app that you go on your phone? You actually go on your phone like an open table restaurant app and you punch in there, I want amnesty. I mean, excuse me, I want asylum. And there's a geofencing on that, that app that says it won't allow anybody outside of the northern part of Mexico because you have to be there to claim asylum. Well, the cartels have hacked into the CBP1 app and has removed the geo tracking. So now they're scheduling asylum interviews for people in Uzbekistan, Yemen, Sudan, and they're in Sudan. And they get, yes, of course you can come. And then the smugglers fly them in. They charge them exotic, exorbitant fees and bring them in. What is happening today, guys, in the immigration system is so mind-boggling. It is so irrational and so insane that you would actually think that I'm sitting here lying to you, making it up. It's that crazy. And I, in my book, I have pages of footnotes, documentation, and I, I implore anyone, to, they, don't, uh, they don't agree or think that I'm speaking the truth, I want you to fact check me. I never embellish, I tell you the truth and what's happening. So to your answer, Jonathan, they're being shotgunned into America, but the cartels are making the determination where you're going to go. Hmm. And court dates are... Stop right there. Yes, this is a little mini ad. Don't skip, don't skip. All I want to tell you right now is that at the end of the day, when it comes down to all the discussions I want to have, I want to be able to communicate with you, the audience. I want to be able to relay a message and receive a message from everyone and try to come up with these great solutions that I keep on talking about. So if you want to be part of the community, make sure you go to the website and sign up for not only the email list so you can get weekly emails from me for the podcast episode, informational sessions, all that great stuff, but also sign up to go on my Discord so you can be part of the discussions, debates on my live streams. So be sure to go to the website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com and go to the email list, sign up and go to the Discord and join the server. Now back to the episode. So, look, in New York City, oh, yeah. you can't see the immigration judge until 2032. Yeah. 2032. I, I was doing an internship at a court, and we had um, an illegal alien who had uh, some, well, whether or not he was illegal, we couldn't quite figure out. Um, but he has a jury trial set in, in my local municipality. Um, but he has to... Uh, wait because he's from california and he has to deal with uh immigration status with a judge but it's not for 10 years yeah it's set for 10 years out 
So he's obviously not going to be coming back to Ohio for his jury trial next month. No, uh, of course he'll, he's not. Because he'll be in Cal back in California, and there's no way he's going to be allowed because he's got a bunch of court cases there too. Okay, but, is he a criminal for court cases? Is this a criminal court? Yes, it's a criminal court. Okay, so this is the point I want to make. This is not an exception. This is the rule, guys. So you take that gentleman and you time him time millions, not thousands or hundred thousands. I'm telling you, there are millions of criminal illegal aliens in our country, a standing army. People oh, yeah. don't want to hear it. In my book, I have a whole chapter to it. I detail exactly using the most insane baseline conservative numbers I can find just to prove my point. Listen, you talked about something that that I, I, I have to be able to take two minutes and explain when, when you talk about what's going on. I see America is a immoral decay. Complete. I, I agree with you that we're the greatest nation on planet Earth, but we are in moral decay. And let me explain to you what why I mean that. So let's say that I cross the border and I'm a Haitian, Haitian man, and I have my wife and my two kids. I will be asked for, a, I'll, I'll request asylum. I will be granted a court date in 2032, 2027, whatever, but years, years away. The document that I'm never given is the most important document for an illegal, for a legal immigrant or a legal immigrant. And that's a work authorization document. Mm -hmm. Why does the government expect me to stay in their nation for up to a decade to see an immigration judge and never receiving a work authorization document. And the answer is, guys, is because our nation wants slave labor at the maximum. So you have, if you can imagine, and I've been doing this for years, you can imagine us. Here's the baseline for us. Starting wage, moving up to management, whatever job or career it is. Now, underneath us are millions, millions of people that cannot work legally. So now they're going to be exploited. They're going to be abused with no recourse because they don't work 40 hours a week. If they're going to work at all, they're all in government assistance, all of them. But they're not going to have any recourse if somebody says, no, you're going to work 70 hours a week and you're not going to make time and a half. And then when you do work, maybe I don't pay you. What are you going to do? Who are you going to go to? You're going to go to OSHA? You're going to go to, you get yeah. hurt on the job? Are you going to get workers comp? No, you're not. So this is the world. This is the nation. The greatest nation on earth is morally bankrupt. And it's, and they're using the moral decay and moral bankruptcy within immigration. And it's, it's disgusting. It drives me insane. And that's just one issue of hundreds that are going on right now in America because of immigration. Yeah. That, I mean, that's definitely, um, from what it sounds like, it definitely sounds like an issue, um, to, especially when you're taking advantage of these people. Um, I, one thing I do realize that, however, when it comes down to the governments and like countries to expect outright, you know, moral object goodness will always be far fetched to kind of potentially dive into the, the idea of a immigrant getting a work authorization form and be able to work legally in America. Do you think that will be a net positive for the other workers in terms of America? Because how I see it, because I, I do agree that it definitely can be shady out 
for all the reasons that you are listening, but also the, the potentiality of the people that is currently in America already kind of having this overarching narrative that, you know, immigrants coming to America, taking my huh? job, all that type of yeah. um, rhetoric, of course. That's true. And with that, with the work authorization form, this makes it much more impactful for them to take the jobs that uh, other people won't be able to, uh, other people that potentially want, right? So in, in this situation, um, would you say that would be a overall positive in terms of the other citizens in America and their interpretation of the the work that they may be losing due to um, potential immigrants coming in the country? No, both both of them are horrible for America. It's already been proven. It's not even the Democrats and, and the rhinos don't even try to argue about the depression of wages in America because of, of illegal immigration. We all know that's true. So what you do is you shut the border down, you shut it, there's no more illegal immigration and you control your sovereignty and who comes in and who comes out of America. And then you take care of Americans first, right? Now, let's say that, let's say that I'm in agriculture and I'm short in the agriculture sector, 100,000 people. We used to have a program called the Bracera program. 100,000 people would come in with their work authorization, with their visas, and they had a six months window to work. And then they went back to, to Mexico or Honduras, wherever, and everyone was happy. Everyone. The, those individuals were treated with respect and dignity and paid the proper wage. The wages of Americans did not go down. But when you have millions of people, look, it's supply and demand. If I have 10 million people that are going to work and I got 8 million jobs, then I can, I can pay them whatever I want. But if I have 9 million people that are legal in America, U.S. citizens and legal immigrants, and I got 10 million jobs, well, dang it. Now I'm, I'm in demand. Instead of making $12 an hour, I make 18. That's a big difference. Every dollar you get an hour comes to about $2,000 a year. So every, every dollar you strip away from me, I lose $2,000. This is how people get out of poverty and get in the middle class and get the American dream. There is no American dream anymore. It's a lie. Because we have, we have destroyed the economic system. The economic system is for crony capitalism, for abusing people. Listen, guys, we're not even getting into, and, I, and this is no, no one's fault. I'm just saying the enormity of this. We're not even getting into all the child sex trafficking, the female sex trafficking. We're not even talking about the overdose deaths, which is a direct line from open borders to overdose deaths have almost tripled since Biden has taken office, tripled. There are hard narco flowing into America and no one's doing a damn thing about it because everybody is just, they've been normalized to this chaos. Listen, when I tell you 7 million people have brought in, have been arrested and released, and I'm telling you, eat another 7 million or so have come across the border undetected. How that doesn't scare or shake every American to its core, I'm not even talking to you about all the criminals. I'm not even talking to you about the thousands of terrorists that have come across. This, this is way bigger than just, and I take great pride in to say, look, the depression of American wages is a big deal and it's important. But we have terrorists in our nation. Let me give you an example of how, how, how 
how insane this is, okay? So the DHS manipulates all the number and all the data. The cartel follows what the DHS and finds the loopholes. Listen to what happened in the month of June. For almost every month for years, international airports in America have been averaging about 15 to 18,000 inadmissible aliens, meaning people got on the plane, flew into America, and they were not allowed to do that, right? Somehow they got on and they're illegal. That number now has tripled to over 50 to 60,000 a month now. Why is that happening? How, who allowed that to happen? There had to be a handshake between our government and airlines. Has anybody remember, I know we talked about our ages, but does anybody remember about 9-11 and who flew those planes into the World Trade Center Pentagon? Do we have any idea that, that there's 195 nations on planet Earth? The Border Patrol has arrested over 175 nationals from all of these nations, meaning this is not about race or ethnicity. This is about citizenship versus non-citizenship. We have the whole complete world pouring into our nation. Now you tell me at the end of his term, Biden's term, he will have a let in over 20 million people. How does that benefit America? And no one can answer me. How does that benefit America, 20 million people? that we have no idea who they are, none. And when DHS tells you, hey, don't worry, man, we vetted them, they, haven't, they don't have a criminal history. Well, it's because our vetting system is for crimes committed in America. These people have never been in America. We have no idea what they've done in Sudan, Cameroon, Ecuador, Honduras, El Salvador. We have no idea. We're just allowing people to come in. You're looking at over 500,000 unaccompanied children from babies to teenagers that have come into America that are sexually abused beyond anything that we can even imagine. And we're allowing it. Why? For money and power, which I believe is the absolute reason why. But that's what we're doing it for. I mean, it's astounding to me. So a lot of interesting things were said, and it definitely touches upon the issues of immigration that you're eliciting. Um, at the end of the day, having no way to track or at the very least keep tabs on illegal immigrants in the country, there's no way to really justify that. Um, of course, making sure that the people who are coming in the country and having uh, potential negative connections in terms of being part of a drug cartel or being part of a sex trafficking ring, there, there's no excuse to kind of let things or potentially allow these things. So making sure that we have the resources to stop this is very important. Um, I, I do think that when it comes down to this, uh, I would be really curious on how efficient you can really be in terms of stopping uh, potential negative deterrence from coming in the in the country. But before we dive into that aspect, one of the biggest things or one of the biggest reasons why people are such big advocates for immigrants to come in the country, one, obviously, it abides by a big principle on the, in the start of the country, you know, being the melting pot it is today. And another aspect, which kind of touches upon the human humanitarian of, you know, the left is that a lot of people are escaping from an atrocity that they are going through, 
right? So, I mean, one thing that you mentioned is Mexico. And like you said, the Mexican cartel and their involvement with even the government is very corrupt, as you say. Um, so in these situations, people are looking at immigrants and looking at families trying to escape the atrocity and try to live a better life. Because at the end of the day, one of the comes to the immigrants, for the most part, they are coming to the country to live a better life. So when you pe hear people try make this uh, argument and touching upon the humanistic side of things, what, what do you have to say to those people? Okay, that's a great question. I get this, I get this conversation happens to me quite often outside of podcasting and interviews where I'm at a party or I'm meeting somebody and, and, I, and somebody finds out that I'm former Border Patrol. And then they start into, well, I think Trump's a bad president and the walls are racist and blah, blah, blah. To answer your question, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you quickly what my conversations are and it answers the question. I always say, okay, can we agree? Let's get some baselines on this discussion. There's 8 billion people on planet earth. 4 billion of them live in poverty that we can't imagine. Half of those live in poverty. We can't even fathom the depths of misery they live in. 2 million. Do you agree to that? Yes, I agree to that. Okay. I make you king now. How many legal aliens are allowed to come into our country? And we're going to make them legal. We're going to give them everything they need to be successful. How many? And they're always pausing because they're thinking. And I say, okay, I need an answer. Is it all 2 billion? Of course not, because it's that's six times our population. We can, okay, okay, they give me a number. And they always come to this number, 20 million. I don't know why, but they do. They feel good about it, right? And I, my net follow-up question is, okay, 20 million people are in America. For whatever reason, I don't even care. They're here, they have houses, they're going to school, everything's fine. What are you going to do about the other 1.98 billion that are going to try to come into America? What are you going to do? And there's always silence. And I say, you're going to build a wall, aren't you? You're going to have law and order. You have Border Patrol and the military. You're going to shut it down. And you're going to have, you're going to have sovereignty in our nation, right? And there's always silence. And then I say, and I'm going to ask you this now. Why is your wall that holds 1.98 holds billion people back is okay and morally justified, but because I want law and order for 2 billion, I'm a racist, I'm a xenophobe, and this is wrong. It just proves the, the surface level conversation that people want to have and they don't want to dive in. I'm for, listen guys, if, if our politicians through our representative government comes through from the residents saying, we need more legal immigration, and that goes to 10 million a year, we're at 1.2 million a year, by the way, but we'll go to 10 million. I'm not going to like that, but okay, America said we want 10, 10 million. But you have to stop the other 2 billion from coming into our country. Because if you don't, you're going to have 2 billion people. Listen, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org, reputable. Nobody even, no one even challenges their data, right? They're off the chart. In March, they did their main demographer and research did a white paper. And this is what they found. I'm rarely shocked about things like this, but this shocked me. I had to reread the whole article, which is like 30 pages long, a whole no, uh, one more time. And what it is in a nutshell is they took all the census data from the years 2016 to 20, 2021, because that was the last time they had census, complete census data. 
The total population growth in America resolved 77% of that total population growth were illegal aliens, foreign nationals, and their children. In five years, they said in 2022, in their partial data, that now they believe that number is in the mid-80s. Now you tell me how America remains America when your population growth is 80% non-US citizens. And there's not one single person that can give me a rational ex explanation why that's being allowed and how good, how that could benefit Americans. It's just not. It's a numbers game. It's a data game. And you can't argue with truthful, honest data. It is what it is. But if you want to stick your head in the sand and say, it's all going to be all right, have at it. I'll add, I'll add one more thing. The, the Congressional Black Caucus obviously is Democrat. Democrat-run cities, the majority of their constituents, African-Americans. Did those African-American U.S. citizens vote to be re artificially re replaced as the number one minority in America? Did they? Because they are now. The number one minority is Hispanics, and it's artificially inflated by years of illegal immigration. Now, I hate breaking down balkanizing us by color, but this is what our political system does, so we're forced to talk in these terms. But you now have artificially inflated a population growth in our country that now has given the, the African-American community less power, less leverage, less influence. Look at Chicago. Look what's happening. Who voted for that? Who voted? I didn't vote for it. Who voted for it? We never voted for this. Our politicians just did it. The executive branch under the Constitution cannot change the number of legal immigrants coming into our country. That is solely under the Congress. But our Congress is impotent, corrupt, and they've abdicated everything to Joe Biden in the, in the, in the executive orders that he's given. And he's changed the whole immigration system. There's repercussions to this. We're not living in a bubble. This is going to manifest itself, and people are going to wake up in a year five years and they go, what the hell happened to my country? I think there's another interesting aspect to that, that a lot of people with the humanitarian aspect of it, um, I have had the, the very good fortune to be able to travel uh, extensively. And I've seen some of this um, just absolutely miserable um, mm -hmm. living situations in, in countries like Africa. And, the argument that uh, of the 2 billion people that just live in absolute poller and uh, poverty and squalor um, immigrating to America, um, e even in Guatemala, because I've been to Guatemala and, and the dream that it is for the people in poverty there to get to America is usually unrealized. Um, unfortunately, they just will very rarely have the means to actually get to America, especially if they're across the pond over in one of the African in, uh, or Indian Asian countries. So the, the, the notion itself that these are the people who are immigrating to America, the ones who are in the absolute poverty and squalor, those, those individuals, unfortunately, I want to mark, unfortunately, will usually not have the means to get here. So it's not really going to be them that are immigrating into America anyways. As you pointed out, it's, it's usually the people who are going to be controlled by some form of um, 
gangster, for lack of a better term, or it's pretty much what they are. And if they're the ones who are in these ones, they're still being moved by the cartels. They're not right. doing they're not do because they wouldn't have the a way of doing it otherwise. It would be through the motives and through the the byways that the cartels create. So even if they get here, they're still going to be essentially purchased to the cartels. And right. so it, there isn't really going to be a humanitarian aspect for illegal immigration. It's always going to be the legal routes will be the most humanitarian. Um, but yes. kind of just letting those go to the to the wayside. But let me just let me just make this point, Jonathan, that I would say almost agree with you 100 percent 10 years ago, because I would have said, yeah, those people wouldn't be able to make that trip. But that's changed. The whole landscape's changed. Let me give you an example. Right now, Mexican nationals are the majority minority coming into our border. They don't make 50 percent. We have people from Uzbekistan. We have people. I was in my old stations in Imperial Beach in the month of May. For whatever reason, the cartels utilized this one station to move thousands, thousands of single adult military age men from the continent of Africa. Thousands. And within those thousands, every day, the Border Patrol would transport into their station five to 600 and leave the other 2,000 living in tents in America. Of those 500 to 600 that they brought in and processed every day in a 24-hour period, 50 of them, 5-0, would hit on the terrorist watch list. 50 every 24 hours. Five of them were confirmed. The reason why they could not confirm the other 45 is because the Joint Terrorism Task Force, JTTF, could not come out there anymore to interview them. So we just released them into our society. Think about that, guys. 50 a day for weeks and months on end. It's going on right now. I'm telling you, there are thousands of terrorists in our nation that have absconded through the open borders or have come through, claimed asylum. We have no idea who they are. They're not on our terrorist watch list. They're not on the Sudan's most wanted because they don't have a most wanted. They're here in America. I hope that I am 100% wrong. I hope you call me back and in five years and say, JJ, you were so far off. You were off the reservation, but I know that I'm not. I think you'll call me back in five years and go, holy crap, how did you know that? How did you know there was thousands of terrorists? Because it's easy. The data says it. The people, the boots on the ground are telling me, Here's something that you won't hear from anybody because you have to be an insider. So when I talk to my sources in ICE and Border Patrol, these are the men and women that I supervised and I know that I worked and we took down Sinaloa cartel drug loads. We fought MS-13 in the middle of the night, getting shot at, stabbed, punched, everything. But those men and women just did it. They fought it. They were never afraid. When I talk to them now, do you know what I hear? They tell me straight out, JJ, I am scared to death. And I'm like, why? What's going on? I'm releasing people into America that I know. I know that they're criminals. I'm looking at their data. I'm looking at their criminal history. I'm being forced to release them. I'm looking at men that are military age. And I know that they're terrorists, but I can't stop them from keep moving them out. Those are men and women that I fought with side by side. And they're telling me they're afraid. When they tell me that, man, do I, my hairs on the back of my neck go up because they are never afraid in 20 years of working with them, but they're scared to death now. 
and that should scare America. So when it, when it comes to this conversation, um, and I'm thinking it, about it, I'm listening to everything that JJ is saying, I'm listening to everything that Jonathan's saying, and for the most part, when it comes to me at the very least, I'm not one to kind of abide by, you know, emotional rhetoric for the most part. I, I'm also one of those individuals that tries to think logically about the situation and the circumstance and look at the, the best case scenario. And I live in America, so I'm going to look at the American best case scenario, of course. Um, so overall, even though I think immigration is good for, for the country, everything that JJ is saying in terms of illegal immigration is very valid points to say. I mean, there's really not much you could say in terms of the, the amount of people potentially coming in who don't have enough checks on them to make sure that they are getting vetted properly. There's really not much to say about that. So I guess the next point is how exactly as a country do we protect the borders better moving forward? Okay. Well, uh, that's a great, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jonathan. Go ahead. Before that question, I have a question that I think is, is, is kind of pertinent to what he was saying before about the terrorists that are being released. Are you aware um, of any statistics that show kind of an action rate of those terrorists or of those people who are being smuggled in? You, you mentioned 50 a day, a lot of these military age people being brought from Africa. Do, are you aware of like any, I, I'm sure this is probably very difficult to calculate. So I'm just curious for myself. Um, but how many of those people go on to be involved with the criminal justice system, either for acts of terrorism or crimes in general? I do not have that data. Okay. However, they're patient, right? They're yeah, patient. Sure. So they have to get their men in here. And once they get their men in here, then they just wait for their orders. And these are men from, we're talking about men from war-torn nations, and we're talking about men from terrorist hotbeds across the Middle East and Africa, and we just let them walk. You should see the pictures I get. You should see them. It's just thousands and thousands and thousands of these people. And you're going to tell me just out of just out of pure statistical luck or being unlucky, if I give you 10,000 people that are from war-torn terrorist hotbeds, what do you think? How many terrorists do you think out of that 10,000? Now, what if I told you there was a million of those people came through? What's the percentage of terrorists, would you guess? Is it is it 1%? Okay, well, we got 1,000. 1,000 terrorists, is that okay with you? Is it 10% of a million? Is that okay? Is even 1% of one, is that okay? No, it's not okay. Listen, you either have sovereignty and you protect your border and your nation, or you don't. Listen, if you if I took a picture and showed you of the Mexican border right now, it would look like the American border. They use the same landing mat fence from Vietnam that we use. Their vehicles are the same. The terrain looks the same. So to say that we are racist because we demand law and order on our borders, every other nation on the planet, you think you can go to China? and demand that, that they speak English and you pay me welfare and give me a house, they would laugh you out of the... You, I can't go to Mexico and do that. They would kick me out. So why would we do it? And then yeah. to answer your question, what do we do? 
The greatest thing about what we do, and I have in my book, my final chapter is solutions. And let me just tell, and you mentioned, I wanted to go back and thank you for asking, because you went back and you were talking, one of your questions was, well, how do you stop it? I don't know how you really stop it. Well, it was already stopped. Here's, here's the dirty, dirty secret. In Trump's last, his last year in office, he finally was able to get control of the House and the Senate, meaning the Republicans that were fighting him. And what he did is he went down to the Northern Triangle countries, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, and Mexico. And he went down there and said, those days of the caravans coming up, you organizing 100,000 people to come up, those days are over. You're going to stop all these people from coming up, or I'm going to hold back your, your federal financial aid, your federal aid. And they laughed at him. I remember this. I, I lived it. I was there. I was there on the border. I was the manager managing this. So I remember this as it was clear as day. And they laughed at him because they were used to dealing with the impotent, corrupt politicians and presidents of the past. And what Trump did for one, two, three days, he stopped all the money going down there. And those countries without our American dollars will crumble. So they stood up their border patrol because they have border patrol, actual border patrol in those countries, stood them up and closed it down. At Trump's end of Trump's term, I would get 24-hour reports, rest reports from all over the country, the northern border, southern border. We were arresting 100 to 450 people a day. That is nothing. That is zero traffic because he shut it down. We were building the wall. A third of the wall was done. Not two-thirds or not the whole, just a third of the wall was done with his policies down south, and that everyone that came across the border knew that they were going to deport it. Everyone that ICE arrested, they were deported. Joe Biden takes office. My 24-hour report changed. It went to over 5,000 arrests overnight and over 3,000 getaways a day, every day, and has not stopped since he's taken office. We are averaging almost 9,000 illegal aliens arrested and released every day. Let that sink in. 9,000, guys. Let's put that into context. Look at the UK. They have the boat migrants coming up from in the Mediterranean, coming up and landing. They have 5,000 a month. 5,000 a month. We arrest 5,000 within the first half of the day. That's just what we arrest, not getaways. UK says it's a state of emergency. We can't handle this. This is insane. I'm doing that in 12 hours. I'm actually doing that in four hours if you count the getaways. And we do nothing. It's okay. America is going to suffer. America is going to suffer because of the manifestations and the gross incompetence, intentionality, and treason of our federal government that has allowed this to happen and continues to allow it to this day, we are going to manifest, it's going to be manifestation of crime, terrorism, destruction of our uh, social services, and the balkanization of our nation. I guarantee it's already starting to happen now. I don't have to look in a crystal ball. I'm witnessing it. I'm reading the reports daily. So from what it sounds like from the solution that you elicited here um, is like advocating for a type of foreign policy that incentivizes other countries to control their borders so we can better control our border in addition to putting more resources at the border. Does that kind of uh, summarize your your It statement? does. And 
it does and coupled with strong i want infrastructure i if i was the president i would board the, i would build the border wall immediately through the the army corps of engineers i put the military on our border our coastlines and the northern border our northern border is 50 almost 6000 miles there's less than 2500 agents guarding that their arrest numbers have quadrupled in nine months, the same amount of arrests they did last four years in nine months. Our, our east and west coast, we are vulnerable. I would, I would stand up our army. I would close the border down. I would, I would go through and I would clean up all my immigration policies and laws. And then once I removed all the illegal aliens out of the DHS corrupt system, then I would do American first policy. But everybody that comes into our nation as a legal immigrant will be protected under the constitution, will be protected by our bill of rights. They will not be abused and we will, we will welcome them and cherish them being in our country because they will be wanting to come in a lawful way. And there is a way to do that. We have done it in the past. And yet because of politics and the desire for more wealth and power, we have created a complete invasion of our nation. So I have a question for you. Um, obviously, um, you you're of the opinion, and I don't necessarily entirely agree. I'm just looking for a little bit of more direct evidence, I guess. Um, based on what you've witnessed and, and the research that you've done, what ben obviously you, you mentioned like the the crony capitalistic benefits. Uh, mm -hmm. of this invasion of and, and that makes sense to me obviously right because they they can't report anything because if they report any kind of misbehavior against them they're going to get in trouble theoretically they'll get deported whether or not that actually happens is one thing but certainly they'll That's be brushing right. it with the law what motivations do our politicians have to ensure that 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 makes you think it's more of an invasion and that it's intentional rather than just incompetence on the political front I think is incompetence uh, a little bit because I think if you look at the people that run our country, they're not geniuses by any stretch of imagination, right? No failed actors. It, it's yeah, it's it's a corruption and it's a treason. Let me make it. Let me in my book. I just I when you think about like you, we've been talking for an hour, and the complexities are layered, right? It, it's very complex problem, but the reason why it's happening is not complex. It's about power and wealth. Think of this just for a second. 99% of all illegal immigrants that vote illegally or get amnestied over time vote 99% Democrat. How fast does the wall go up, guys, if 99% of those people voted Republican? Do you think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, they'd be saying the same thing as me? In fact, I have video of them saying the exact same thing that we're saying tonight. Exactly. Okay, how fast does the border wall go up if the Chamber of Commerce does not funnel millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to the RNC coffer and then in turn give those RNC politicians lucrative jobs when they leave? How does Paul Ryan, an open borders advocate, people don't know that about him, open borders advocate, how does he come in to office the same time I do as a border patrol agent? He has 300,000 in assets. I had about 30,000 in assets. We make about the same amount of money. He made about 20 grand more than me a year. Same retirement system. 
He retires about the same time I do, but he's worth $15 million. How's that possible, guys? I wasn't worth 15 million. I'm on the same retirement system as he is. You see, can we connect the dots to the abuse of power to enrich themselves? And this is a Republican and Democrat problem. This is a uni-party problem. And the reason why it's not getting fixed because they don't want to fix it. This benefits them. What happens when 175 nations cross the border with 175 languages, about another 100 dialects? Do you think America, do you think that diversity helps America or hurts it? Do you think that we become balkanized even more than we are now? Or do you think that somehow 175 languages coalesce us and make us bring us together more? When those 175 nations which equates to about 25 million illegal aliens, now are, are taking 95 to 99% of all of our finite resources to care for our social systems. How well does America deal with that? You think there's going to be, you know, kumbaya and, and love fest? Or you think there's going to be a battle, a war in our cities and in our, in our communities? I believe it's a war. I believe it's going to happen. We're seeing it happen. We're seeing it happen in Chicago. We're seeing fights in New York City against residents of New York City and the illegal aliens that are living. New York City is using 50% of their total hotels in New York City to mm -hmm. house illegal aliens. Come yeah. on. What about the veterans and the homeless mothers and fathers and their kids? Are they living in four-star hotels, getting three meals a day with cable TV? No. No. They're living in crappy shelters where they're being forced onto the street because illegal aliens are now filling those beds. I can go on and on and on, but ultimately my, my ultimate argument is when are we as Americans going to take care of Americans? First, second, third, all the way down to the thousandth position. Then once we get our schools clean, everyone off of drugs, everyone has a job, our airports are brand new, our roads are clean, then we'll bring in more people and we'll help the world. Why don't we just, why, we're trillions of dollars in debt, guys. Our economy's teetering. We're in a recession. If you want to say it out loud or not, we're in a recession. The stock market keeps crashing. We just lost at least 6% of the total stock market in the last four days. Five to 6%. That's a trillion or so dollars. Nobody says anything. There's a direct correlation between the destruction of the immigration system and our nation and what is manifestation and manifesting right now in front of us. There's no denying it. We can argue about the semantics of things, but we can't argue about hard data as it comes across the screen and says, yeah, this is happening. You can't argue it. So I'm glad I got to hear a lot of your perspective on, on the issue, of course. Now, for me personally, I, I can't really fully buy into a lot of the claims that you're making in terms of, you know, the the war in the country and, um, you know, the, the potential corruption in the government. I do think there is a level of corruption. I do think a level of damage would occur if we don't have proper checks. And I would adhere to a lot of the things you were saying in terms of immigration to make sure we have proper resources and we're incentivizing the even other countries. I'm with that as well to make sure that we have the best people coming in the country, because another aspect of immigration 
there's like two aspects of immigration that people really go for. There is the merit-based immigration aspect in terms of making sure that people come into the country that deserve to be in the country based off their own merit and showing that they have value to come in the country. And then obviously there's another aspect in terms of, you know, having familial re uh, relationships. So people I know is in the country, I'm struggling, I should also be a part of the country. So I'm definitely more so in line with merit. I'm definitely in line with making sure that the risk reward is more beneficial to America. So that's why I'm not fully bought into the humanitarian aspect. But I also don't want to make a lot of, uh, you know, absolute claims in terms of, you know, the country uh, overall, in terms of all the politicians are doing these things over purely because of you know selfishness and innate greed um then why do you why do you think but let me ask you i don't mean to interrupt but then tell me tell me why these politicians are allowing this to happen why is now under joe biden 20 million people conservatively have been coming to our country legally what give me an explanation why mayorkas biden's cabinet the republicans don't do anything. Why? Why? Why is this being allowed? Why do you think? So when when it comes down to this situation, and obviously I won't be able to give you a perfect answer, but I, I like to make sure that things are. I have the full content before I make a, a full claim. Now I I think for the most part that there's a possibility that there may be individuals that have innate selfish greed. But I also think there is an aspect that people really truly believe that they are trying to help the people that are coming into the country. There are people who do get emotionally available to the point where they believe that helping people is innate value that they should do as a leader and a person in power. So I, I'm saying that is a definite possibility whether or not it, it's when it comes down to values and you're orchestrating a chart of values. For me, it, the, the value of other people's versus America's interests is not high. But to someone potentially on the left, the values of people as a whole, especially when you see people as equal or you think you see people as equal, is higher. So I'm just saying that the possibility that people are seeing these, even in the detriment of America, is possible. And that's usually what the case is when it, they're trying to advocate for immigration to appeal to the people that are potentially struggling. Is it a strong argument? I, I personally don't believe so. But is it a possible argument? I think it's a possible argument that they could have. So that's what I would answer in terms of that. Okay, I can see that on the peripheral, but I'm talking about the power players, the people that are in positions of authority that are making this happen. Secretary Mayorkas, for example. Okay, does, I have a whole chapter on him because everyone thinks that he just popped up on the scene. He is a highly, highly intelligent man that is extremely strategic about what he does. He is the, the one of the youngest U.S. attorneys in the in the history of the United States. He is a Cuban immigrant that rose up that fast. So I give him incredible, incredible respect for what he's been to achieve. He was the director of USCIS under Obama, which is a powerful, powerful entity within DHS. He, he created DACA. He created prosecutorial discretion under Obama as the number two deputy, deputy secretary and DHS, and then he became the deputy, I mean, he became the secretary under Biden. Everything that is we're witnessing now, he has his thumbprint right on it. He owns it. He created it. He implemented it. 
And I find him and I say it in my book and I will not retract not one word of it, that he is a traitor to our nation. He is doing this purposefully and intentionally. And that's the definition of treason, that hurting your nation intentionally and purposely. And he is. And I can lay it out. He gave me another hour. I'll lay it all out again. He is abusing and bastardizing all immigration policy and law. It's illegal what he is doing. Even the Republicans say it, but they're so impotent that they will not impeach him. And they all ran on impeaching him on the midterms 2022. I Look, we can all split hairs and we can say, but I'm not. I'm going to tell you, I lived it for 24 years. I witnessed it firsthand. I'm a senior. I was a senior leader in the Border Patrol. I have direct contacts and knowledge of what's going on. And I'm telling you from the inside that this is done intentional. I would never waste my time or put my neck out like I have and wrote a book with that title on it if I did not believe it 100% in the depths of my soul, or I just would not have written it. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine, which is why I respect your perspective because of obviously your profession and where you come from. You did the research, and that's important. I think another important aspect, too, is obviously making sure that you have enough contextual information to have a full opinion about something and then st- instead of blindly believing to people, right? So this conversation was very enlightening. I have a lot, I gained a lot in terms of the information of immigration. I have a perspective on immigration and I adhere to a lot of the solutions you you would uh, abide by as well. But the, the purpose of this podcast, and I think people should abide by more, is that respecting someone's opinion doesn't necessarily mean you have to believe everything they're saying. Mm-hmm. And although Absolutely. I believe- I believe a good chunk of what you're saying, and I do believe that you're saying it from an honest heart, um, in order for to find the, the best case scenario in terms of the immigration problem, I would have to f- look into the context behind the secretary you were just mentioning, the U.S. attorney, to see the, the, the policies that he's implementing in terms of the positives and the negatives, and then weigh the pros and cons and figure out, okay, Absolutely. I think this is a scumbag, right? But I do Absolutely. think... I do think this is important. And the next part of this conversation, because we dove into illegal immigration, the overall sentiment from all of us is that having more people that are unvetted in, in America causes so many problems. We need to have make sure we have the proper checks. We need to make sure that they are illegal immigrants. So the, the question here and the other criticism of illegal immigration is, is it too hard? How And... I'm very curious, since you obviously are a Border Patrol agent, would you be able to tell the people how this works when they want to become a legal immigrant? What's the general process they have to go through? Well, you have to apply for your, you either come in as a non-immigrant or an immigrant, meaning you come in as a, a tourist, right? You come in and visit Disneyland, you get a visa, um, or you want to become what's called an, uh, a lapper, a legal alien permanent resident. And you have to get that, we call it slang, green card, right? You always heard green card. Then you apply for citizenship after six years of being a lapper. You're not on welfare, taking social services. You haven't been arrested, committed multiple crimes. Then you become a citizen. But here's the, here's the hard part of this. And I detail this in my book because this guy is a great reference. And he writes about e- illegal immigration and how it hurts legal immigrants because he was a legal immigrant working in the counselor office. So he was, he was in it. So because 
the only way I could really describe this, let's say you're you're going to see Top Gun, the movie Top Gun, and you're so excited to go see it, right? But there's X amount of seats in that theater and you're in line, man. And I'm like, I'm five deep. I'm getting in. I'm going to get my own seat, everything. And then all of a sudden, 400 people jump in front of you and they get all the tickets. And you're like, wait a minute. I, I, I'm in line. This is... I, I was, I've been waiting. I've been, I've been here for two hours. I've been waiting. Now imagine waiting for a decade to get a lapper status, but you can't because the system is so convoluted with all of this other illegal aliens and asylum and parole and everything else that's going on at DHS that the system won't move. It can't move. So I want to see an immigration judge, but Jonathan says, that he can't see him for seven years. I'm staying in New York City, 2032. So now I got to wait. So I'm I'm a, a U.S. citizen man, and 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 I have the love of my life that's living in Spain, and I want to bring her in because she's my wife. I married her in Spain. I want to do it right. I can't get her in here because she's in the back of line behind eight million people. Do you see how? This affects everybody and everything that we're trying to accomplish in America. We want legal immigrants. I want them. I want all types of them. And I grew, I spent 25 years in San Diego, extremely diverse community, extremely diverse. I loved it. Thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Legal immigrants everywhere, proud. It's like if they could take their naturalization paper, you know what they do? The vast majority of people that that live near the border and they naturalize, you know what they do? They laminate it. They're so proud of it. They laminate it, fold it, and they put it in their pocket. They carry it with them. Can you imagine you doing that with your birth certificate, laminating and carrying it? And every chance you get, you say, hey, look at this, man. I'm, not, I, I'm a U.S. citizen. That's what we want. But we can't get it because they're in the back of the line by years, by millions. Does that make sense? Oh, de it definitely does. And some people would um, would bring up the idea, and, and I would propose this question for you. Do you think we should be making the standards in terms of becoming an, a, a citizen, a legal immigrant, looser? That way we have more people going through the process and that are vetted and put into the system so we know who they are when they come into America. I don't think you make it looser. I, I think that I think it should be more merit-based. It's more it's family unification right now, reunification, which I don't totally agree with. I'm not totally opposed of it. I think it needs to be more merit-based. But if you have somebody that's married to someone or has a child, of course that needs to jump. We got to get them in there, right? But why? So here there's a great in my book, and I've written about it on my Substack. there's a great, if you just go in, please, when we're done, just Google USA numbers and gumballs. I know this is sound crazy, but this guy uses gumballs to explain how our legal system hurts the world. Okay, let me just give you a snapshot of it. We immigrate legally 1.2 million. The vast majority of those 1.2 million are some of the other nation's best and brightest, right? They're the change agents, but they get so disgusted with their nation's corruption that they leave. So 
And a great example is the president of El Salvador has come to America multiple times and given speeches about, you can't keep doing this. You're robbing my nation of all its young, talented men because they're all coming to America. You cannot continue to rob my country of my people. So when you say we need to make it looser, why do I need to make it any more loose if I'm bringing in 1.2 million, but I've allowed 20 million in the last 30 months illegally? So it doesn't, it's, it's a moot point, right? So, and then that's the discussion that we have. Do we, do we go from 1.2 million to 5 million to 10 million legal? That's a, that's a debate with politicians with their constituents on how we should vote and where we go. I'm fine with that. But if we're going to do that, then let's do it legally and through passing a bill and a law, not just saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to take the time to argue with you about increasing legal immigration. I'm just going to come over here and I'm going to abuse the immigration system and I'm going to allow everyone to come in that I want. It's un-American. This is un-American. This is not how we were founded. It's not. You, you, you mentioned the greatest country on earth. Do you know in 1924 that we basically stopped all, all legal immigration in 1924, almost for 40 years to 1965? Because we became so balkanized between Irish communities, Italians, uh, Spanish. We were balkanized. We had multiple different languages. Nobody was assimilating. And to the credit of those politicians and leaders said, whoa, hold on a second. This ain't America. America is a, it's not a random group of people that are just all over the world. They're a diverse group of people that are citizens and love this country. That's what makes America great. It's not the mm -hmm. diversity. It's the grouping of people that say that flag, that flag behind me, I'll die for that flag and I'll die for you. I don't have to be the same color skin as you. I don't have to do anything. You're American. I got your back. Let's go to war. Let's do whatever we got to do. But we, we're Americans. We're going to do it. Those people that are coming into our country, they don't give a crap about that flag, guys. I've, I've interviewed thousands of them. They don't care. I ask them point blank. Why are you coming? All I want to do is work and make money. Or I just want to go. I hear that they're giving away stuff. And I'm just going to get it. And I say, are you going to stay here? Nope. Nope, I'm just going to go back home and I'll just come back again and do it again. That's the reality of it. That's what's happening to our nation. So I definitely agree in terms of the American aspect, even though I think immigration and in, in, uh, in the premise of obviously bringing more identities to America is great. It needs to be done efficiently. It needs to be done in a way to kind of make sure that they not uh, like um integrate into america and become a citizen um i i agree we shouldn't have just a bunch of people we should have a bunch of american citizens so that's a great yep. point to make um so I, I guess the idea behind uh the thing that i mentioned earlier in terms of the question of making things looser if we made things more you know stringent in terms of our border policies obviously ensuring that less Im illegal immigrants come in america hopefully and it's um you know, just overall making sure that we are not dealing with that issue. I would say probably st there's still going to be a lot of people naturally who still want to come into the country, who are still going to try to find the reach around or try to find the, the, the other ways to get out where they are and come in here for whatever reason. 
right? So the, the general idea behind loosening it is the or the argument behind loosening it is purely so we have more people that are willing. It's the willingness to go through the right process versus trying to find that reach around and do it the wrong way. It's, and if people and we know how we know people are like this, we know humans are like this. If they know they can cheat the system, if they know there's a way to cheat the system, they will if you make it hard enough. And it, it's obviously I'm not making saying like make it super easy, but I, I do think there is a an interesting argument behind how it is now potentially loosening it and then making sure that all the other th- uh immigrants that want to come to America realize this and be much more stronger advocates of doing it. Um, so it could be a necessarily a thing where a, if I know I can get it illegally, I won't even bother, or it could be a thing in, okay, if it's easier than I will bother, it's just, it's too hard before. So that's why I'm not bothering. I can't really say which one is the proper way that people are potentially thinking about it other than the evil criminals that are potentially coming in the country. But I do think it's an interesting argument to consider if it helps America make sure that the proper people are coming in the country. Well, here's the the interesting thing, right? I don't know what your politics are. I don't know where you line. I I'm a I vote I line in the middle. I, in the middle, okay. Yep. So as I'm going on and trying to get publicity for my book, right, and talk about this topic, not just my book, but talk about this topic. A very interesting thing is is happening as I'm talking to people is, and I'm talking to far right, hardline conservatives and the left and everyone in between. Here's the most interesting thing that I've discovered. And I just wrote about this too, because it it really was fascinating to me. Our government and our media has balkanized us and tried to make us hate each other and believe that we are so ideologically opposed that we could never agree on everything. And you know what's amazing? Every person that I speak to, absolutely we align with what we want for America. We all want the same thing. It's amazing. How we make the sausage is kind of minor, right? It's the it's what we want America to be, what we believe it should be. The far left is I had a conversation with a gentleman last night, a young African American, and he's a left. He says, I'm a left. And, and we both at the end of an hour went, dude, we agree on way more than we disagree on. And we both had this very, like an epiphany almost and said, yeah, we've been lied to. We've all been lied to. The vast majority of Americans just want America to retain their greatness and continue to provide opportunity and freedom for us, for us Americans. Now, if we determine that we want to help foreign nationals obtain the freedom and opportunity that we, our founding fathers and our forefathers died for and fought for, then we make that decision to give it to them or allow them the opportunity. We don't, you don't, you the illegal alien don't come in and kick my front door in and tell me to feed you and clothe you and house you. That's not how this works, but it does work that way now. That's how upside down this whole thing is. All right, all right. Uh Jonathan, you have anything to add? Um when it comes to that, I'm I suppose optimistic that uh you're correct, JJ, uh that 
we do have more in common and i think by and large that's true to a certain age however being currently in college i get worried because the people who are the very far progressive left um do not agree on that they do not think that america is a good thing at all in fact they think it's a rather bad thing um and i think there are certain people i think you know lefties like paul we would agree and we do on the show very often we agree on if not a little bit more about the same amount that we disagree on uh, and usually it is it is a procedural thing that we disagree on but the core of it we do agree on like the the end goal but i do think there are certain people uh the younger generations my generation and below um people who are on the left who fundamentally do not agree and they fundamentally do not want america to be a good place they want it to not exist anymore um because i agree they, with you because they 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 fall into the line of the 1619 project that america was not founded in 1776 it was founded in 1619 uh and i think that's worrisome and those are the people that i think are problematic in the sense that if we do want to you know rekindle the patriot spirit in america um that's going to be a battle that is definitely going to have to be to be waged hopefully with with a little bit of grace and understanding on the fact that they have been so deceived. Um, but I do think, by and large, you are correct that there is more that unites us than tears us apart. And yeah. I believe there's more of us than it is of them, the anti-American, hate America crowd. I, as of right now, I think, I they're think, louder. I think yes. I, I yeah. think they are. They're certainly louder, but I think they are certainly the minority at this juncture. I definitely agree. Uh, and overall... The, the the perfect sentiment behind this being like a reality is like I said I ride the middle Jonathan is a conservative our other co-host who is not here today he's on the left and a lot of us you know whether or not the means may perfectly align the ends tend to be very similar you know overall we want a better society better country better for the people in the country and by in part for me at the very least when it comes to a better country after we get a better country you can definitely expand the values to other places and they can uh, kind of uh reciprocate what we have to offer so overall it's a better society for all that should be the idea at the end of the day and you know, the government and the certain politicians, media, social media, um, and this generation growing with technology and how they're raised and cultural values. There's so many contextual reasons why we are separating more and finding ourselves into these weird echo chambers. And that's why the importance of discussions like this and conversations and hearing different perspectives, and regardless of whether or not you 100% agree, is important. So you can have yeah. these conversations and come up with a solution for said issues that is going on and if you believe or if you think that this is something that should be you know represented better into your your politics or into congress more more than anything then another thing that people need to realize is you have to get involved you have to be an advocate you have to vote pick a representative talk about politics with you know you don't have to talk about politics all the time but when it's time to kind of make your vote obviously politics is the 
topic of conversation. So overall, I definitely agree to that sentiment. Um, and this will be important. Hopefully people can hear the words that are being said on this podcast, hear the words that are being said in JJ's book and realize that at the end of the day, the purpose behind everything is not to hate immigrants. It's not to hate all these people that are potentially wanting to come in the country, maybe hate the criminals. That's fine. But yeah. the, the purpose behind it is to make sure America is the best version it can be and just allowing illegal immigrants in america is just not efficient there's really no good argument to just allow that to happen it's not good for the country as a whole so uh we're about to wrap things up uh do you have any final words jj no i just want to say thank you uh, and i i truly appreciate this format this ability to to have the time to articulate my beliefs and my thoughts um and i love the back and forth and i appreciate the challenge to uh, what I believe. I think it's very important to be means tested. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Anything you got to say, Jonathan? Um, no, I think it was a, a great conversation. I would say I, I probably don't hate criminals. Um, I, I hate just, criminals. I don't know about you. I, I, hate I hate criminals. Um, I don't, I don't hate <laughs> criminals. Um, I, I'm in criminal justice. I'm in the criminal justice field. Um, depends I, on the type I, of criminal. Depends on the type of criminal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, it, it's anyways. I don't want to get <laughs> all into that at the very end of the show. Um, but I, there was one thing I kind of wanted to bring up that'll take me just a second. Um, and it and it's kind of reinforces what JJ says: how immigration can uh, infiltrate so many other areas. And one of the things that the the way that we have this immigration and the illegal immigration kind of creates criminals. Because the the gentleman who came into my court, uh, it was a relatively minor offense, and depending on the level of offense, um, it it kind of has different results. But one of the things that can happen, especially if he refuses to show up to court dates because he's in so many different courts all over, is he'll just get all these fines and costs associated, and then those fines and costs will kind of compound into. With certain misdemeanors, if you don't show up to court, uh, it can become a felony. And that's how you kind of create a lot of these criminals. And with these illegal immigrants that really have no incentive, they kind of become criminalized as they continue to violate very minor laws. It kind of compounds. But the so that criminalizes them more. They become more criminal because, you know, whether lack of responsibility or, or different poles across the system that happens. The other thing that happens is when it is more major offenses and they still don't show up or other things happen, um, they take up time at the court because they don't show up. And the way that our court system is, is they have to be seen. They have to be heard. They have to be in the court a lot of times. And that creates problems for other U.S. citizens that can't show up to court, can't get their issues resolved because they're clogging up the criminal justice system as well, which is another topic that is a very hot button issue at all times and that reality bleeds into that as well um i just wanted i i just wanted to bring yep. that up at that's the very end, point yep. um because we're talking about criminals anyways so amen <laughs> it's a great point i i agree there's a lot of aspects to this that um 
is overall negative when it comes to you know just allowing illegal immigration and that's just another point to emphasize that it, it can be a cycle when it comes to illegal immigrations lack of resources especially if they don't have a job to being taken advantage of when they're here and then like you said getting into felonies and potentially getting criminalized and becoming criminals it's a, it's a very negative cycle and it doesn't really bode well for them um overall in terms of looking at it generally but with that said that is all we got for today i think this was a very uh interesting and very great discussion uh with jj here uh definitely check out his book if you're interested to see more into the uh immigration circumstance in america um overall like i said we learned a lot about immigration had a lot lot back and forth like uh was mentioned and if you guys were interested in the show obviously rate it five stars you know share it to all your friends and family that need to hear it because we we're trying to push the idea that you can have a conversation with someone that you don't necessarily id politically align with it's possible ladies and gentlemen it is possible <laughs> so with that said hope you guys enjoyed y'all have a good one we'll check it out y'all we got what you need we're all living in apartments condos vans well dude even you can have a studio a studio in a box yes we can help you with that right here at blind knowledge we work on your budget and we figure out your measurements We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know. 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep.